morning. You may be seated. Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's great to be in the house of the Lord today. As we continue to just look forward to celebrating Jesus and his coming to this earth. And what a, a reminder, a reminder in song that the carols are so full of the message of the coming of Jesus Christ. And that, that carol we just sung, a great, great carol of the season. It began with a question. What child is this? What child is sleeping on Mary's lap? What, what child is this that angels would sing about and they'd have these anthems and uh, they'd come to announce the birth of Christ to shepherds? What, what child? We've been considering that Scripture refers to Jesus in the image of a rising sun. And for the past couple of weeks, we've talked about how some were watching for the sun, S-U-N, or an, an image of this coming Savior. The, the image was presented as a sun rising in Scripture, and that's the S-O-N. That is the Son of God. And this morning, we'll consider how some saw that light in that little baby, that little child, and it wasn't many at first. It was just something small, very ordinary, an infant, a baby. That uh, a child's born uh, is unusual? No, it's just another baby, ordinary, normal, and so as we have talked about watching for the sun, are we watching for that same light, the same light from God in the small things, in the little things, in the ordinary things? We just heard a word about getting to the other side. It was a great miracle occurred. You know, Jesus calmed the storm. Well, we all want that. You know, we want the big. But what about the ordinary? If we're going to get to the other side, are we seeing this same light of the, the Christ child in the little things, the small things, the everyday things? Are we seeing the light all the time? And that's where we're going this morning. Are we seeing Jesus in everything? He's referred to as more than just light. We've talked about a few scriptures that mention the light, but Jesus is referred to as more than just the light by the Old Testament prophets that were pointing the way to the coming Savior. Isaiah wrote, the virgin will be with child. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Then there was the prophecy about a star out of Jacob. Abraham received this, this prophetic blessing that that you, through your seed, Abraham, you'd be a blessing to all nations. There would also be a prince, a king, in the line of King David. And Jesus also called the root of Jesse. And Jesse was 
David's father. So again, this royal lineage. And, and of course, what we've been talking about, the light, that the birth of Jesus is a great light. The coming of Jesus is referred to as the great light of the sun. And the prophets referred to the arrival of Jesus as a dawn, a new day, a rising sun. We've touched on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, for two weeks. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Again, this is prophetic. It's looking forward to Jesus, a light, a dawn, a new day. So if one were watching for the coming of the Messiah, one might be looking for a great grand light as blazing as the sun. Now, and a person, who would that be? Somebody very popular, somebody very charismatic, an influential person. So that may be what some were looking for. One might be looking for a king because Jesus had been prophesied as this coming king related to David. You know, a brilliant, brilliant shining star, a star out of Jacob. One might be watching for this blessing to all nations. Well, who could be a blessing to all nations but s- someone who is big and powerful and well-known? If one were looking for a, the Messiah, could it just be this little child, a little baby? Well, according to one of the prophetic uh, references, the answer would be yes, because a child will be born. A virgin will be with child. Okay, well, there's, there's, the, uh, there's the prophecy. It's not just a baby, but there's going to be a virgin that's going to bring forth a child. Well, now, certainly, certainly, if a virgin was going to give birth, now, wouldn't that be monumental? Wouldn't it? It would be huge. It seems to me the world would come flocking if a virgin was going to give birth. We're all familiar with the account. It's a, it, it, it's a common account. The nativity of Christ. Well, Jesus born in, in the place where animals were kept. With just his mother and father. No one really believed a virgin was with child. They presumed the pregnancy of Mary, the mother of Christ, was well, it came about the regular way. That's kind of the, what everyone thought. Else there certainly would have been a huge crowd. And this virgin called Mary, was alone with just the one that she was betrothed to, Joseph. Just the two of them as she gave birth. There was no crowd. There was no spectacle. It was quite humble. A young woman giving birth, very common, very ordinary. It's as ordinary as the dawn of a new day. That, re- that, that cycle repeats every 24 hours. The sun breaks over the horizon, the first light of dawn, it shines through. There's really nothing too shocking about it, nothing earth shattering. The sun rising, it's kind of subtle. The sun just pops up over the horizon, takes its time to kind of erase all the darkness of the night. Then it ebbs higher and higher. The first heat of the sun drives up the dew on the grass. And then hours go by until you feel really the full heat of the sun, the full heat of the day. And then the sun goes down and it just repeats. It repeats over and over. Just like the humble, unremarkable birth of a boy. The birth of a baby boy out in the country. It happened many times before, right? 
It's going to happen again. Very normal, very ordinary. Was anyone watching? Was anyone watching for a humble child? Not a full-grown king, not this prince coming like a shining star, but just a child, an infant. Who was watching for a humble child? It didn't seem that anyone was really looking for that. If angels had not descended to announce the birth of Jesus, the birth of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the birth of Christ, it would have been just completely unremarkable. Just another poor country couple giving birth. The angels did come. They did announce it. And then there still weren't crowds coming. The shepherds came. They left. It was about six weeks later that finally a couple of people did take notice of this little infant. It was when Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, they made their way to the temple because this was the custom after giving birth to a boy, a woman was to wait 40 days, seven days after she gave birth, then on the eighth day they circumcised the boy, then another 33 days, it's a 40 day wait period, then they were supposed to go to the temple and present their son to the Lord and bring some offerings. Now here's Mary and Joseph, they're coming to the temple. No crowd. No crowd pressing them. There isn't some big huge fanfare like, wow, this is a big deal. The, there's, the virgin gave birth. Mm-mm. Let's read the account. Let's read the account of Mary and Joseph coming to the temple. It's in Luke chapter two, verses 22 to 32. It reads, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And, and as I said, this was about six or so weeks. It's 40 days that they had to wait to present their child to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And they also went to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, that's a reference to Leviticus chapter 12, and I'll just pause there for one second, uh, because Leviticus chapter 12 says, bring a lamb and a dove, a lamb uh, for your uh, burnt offering and then a, a bird for the sin offering. But there was an exemption in Leviticus 12 for poor, for the poor. It said, well, they could bring two birds instead of a lamb and a bird. So here, uh, Luke says, they came, a pair of doves or two pigeons, because they were poor. This is a poor couple. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him 
in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Wow. Simeon saw the light. I mentioned there was a, there was a couple. There was a, another person. Her name was Anna. She also took note of Jesus. But I want to focus on Simeon this morning. Simeon saw the light. He saw the light of Christ in this little child. And, and that light, it was like the dawn of a new day. It wasn't the bright, huge sun burning for all to see. No, it was just like the dawn. At this point, no one else had even noticed Jesus. When it was Simeon, it was just Simeon. He was the first before even Anna came along. No one else had noticed. But Simeon saw something, and his eyes saw that little baby. And it was a a common, ordinary, typical, inconspicuous event. A young couple a poor couple from the country, they've come to the temple to make their offering for their firstborn son. And Simeon saw a dawn. He said, his eyes saw salvation, a light for revelation and for glory. And this was all taking place in a time in history that was pretty tough for Simeon and the Jewish people. The prophets of God had been silent for about 400 years. The country for the Jews had been under control by foreign invaders for centuries too. In Simeon's day, it was the Romans. The Roman Empire had taken over and they had taken control of much of the world. They were a superpower and they had occupied the land and they had ruled over the Jewish people. It was a pretty dark time. But Simeon saw some light, and he saw hope, and he saw salvation. And he said, Lord, you can take me now. Lord, I can go in peace. You can take me. I have seen salvation. It's, it's, it's amazing. I see the light, he said, on an ordinary, typical day. This was not some big, huge, grand you know, move of God. It was a typical day during a time of strife and struggle for the average Jewish person. Yeah, they had to go through just some drudgery because they were under the thumb of a ruling government. It was a tough time, but yet it was a typical day. And we might be able to relate to a little bit of this. Think about our culture. We could say the culture around us, the culture of the world, it is foundering. It's foundering. In civic leadership, in local, state, national government, it's not unusual to read about corruption. In my own township, it wasn't that long ago, people were going to jail for bribery. and It's right here on the local level. And it goes all the way to the national level, corruption. You know, the economy isn't what it used to be. We can all feel the, the squeeze of inflation. You know, there are still the vestiges of the pandemic that are, that are troubling and they keep bringing their head back up. In it all, 
with all the darkness of the culture around us, the antichrist culture, and all the things that are happening that we don't necessarily like, our days are still routine. You know, we live through ordinary, commonplace, typical daily events. Life continues. The hands of the clock still spin around. Time goes on. We live our lives. We go to jobs or we go to school. We, we raise kids or we take care of homes, pay bills. All the normal, mundane things of life continue to go on. Whether the times are good, whether the times are bad, we still have to keep on living. And we're living through the repetitive, the normal, the mundane, the ordinary. And I wonder, I wonder, do we see as Simeon did in those everyday moments? What did he see in this moment when a poor mother and father just walk into the temple? They got a little baby. Again, not some big grand miracle. No angels were announcing it as Jesus come in with his parents. There was no heavenly host saying, saying glory to God in the highest. Nothing out of the ordinary to attract Simeon to this six-week-old baby. And yet Simeon saw something. And he was attracted and he went and he saw the light of his salvation. Wow, what child is this? Salvation for all, a light to the Gentiles and the Jews, a light to the entire world. Simeon saw the divinity of God in this ordinary moment of time. What about us? What about us? Do we see the light of Jesus through every day, regular times, ordinary events? I know we would all love to see something big and amazing and huge, an enormous move of God, a grand miracle that the world would say, oh, that was a miracle. Yes, we would all love that. And we believe in the miraculous. Absolutely we do. Our God is a miracle-working God. There is no doubt about that. When we read about the life of Jesus, he did miracles, amazing miracles, of course. He turned water into wine. Jesus walked on water. Who can do that? No one. From just a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread, Jesus fed 4,000. And eh, not to be outdone, he did it again for 5,000. He raised the dead. The only son of a widow. He stopped the whole funeral procession. Raised that young man. His friend Lazarus, uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. There was a blind man named Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. He, he received his sight. There was a sick servant of a, a Roman centurion, a Roman. Well, Jesus healed that servant. Jesus performed many, many powerful miracles. But not every single person was healed. Not every single person was raised from the dead. Every single day was not filled with the extraordinary supernatural events. Jesus lived what we would call ordinary days. He had dinner with friends. He had discussions with people. He took time out to just go off and pray. And he certainly did lots of walking. Lots of walking. We read about Jesus traveling, walking. And in all of those ordinary times, all of those ordinary days, 
Jesus was no less the light of the world. You know, he was no less the rising sun just because he was walking from Jericho to Jerusalem. He was no less the salvation of mankind in all of those ordinary moments. Jesus was still king of kings and lord of lords. And he is still the savior king for all of us. He is still the resurrection and the life in every single moment of our lives. In the mundane moments. Are we watching like Simeon and seeing the light? Because that light that Simeon saw, it's still shining. It is still shining. Even in something we might not even, we might not even take notice of. And I, I just, a couple of examples. On payday, your payday, whenever it comes, every week, once a week, every other week, once a month, whether you're working, you're receiving some kind of pension, social security, whatever it is, when a deposit is made in your bank account, do you see Jesus? Do you see the light of the same provider who took a couple of small fish, a little pieces of bread, and he fed thousands? Do you see the same provider when, when that number changes in your checking account, do you see the light of our provider? Jesus. Because Jesus was no less your provider. He is no less your provider than he was theirs. The 4,000 and the 5,000. Yeah, another example. We witnessed a baptism this morning. How often do we witness a baptism? It happens in church quite regularly. And do we just watch it and then go on with our, our, our service? Something powerful is happening. And we were reminded of that at the open of the, the service. A soul that is turned to Jesus in repentance has been cleansed of sin. The old sin nature cut away and buried. We heard the scripture it's an operation by God Almighty without hands. And now, we see it and it, it, it happens so often. Is that cleansing? Is that cleansing of that soul any less beautiful? Is it any less significant than the man who had leprosy? And he came and he knelt before Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man saying, I'm willing be clean. And the man was cleansed and he was healed. Did we witness any less cleansing power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in those waters of baptism? No, we didn't. It was the same cleansing power, the same light of Christ. He washes sin away. Let's not, let's not just gloss over it. Let's see the, the light like Simeon did in that ordinary event. One, one more example, John's gospel. John's gospel begins this way. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, this word, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John went on to write in verse 14, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So this word, this word in John's style of writing, in his grand style of writing, the word is Jesus. And Jesus is presented as the light of all mankind. Why is that? Because Jesus is God. In the beginning was Jesus. Let me read it to you a little bit differently. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Through Jesus, all things were made. Nothing was made that has been made without Jesus. And that includes you and it includes me. We are made. We are creatures. We're not the creator. And I know sometimes mankind wants to say they are. They want to say they're God, but they're not. We are not. We are creatures. Not the creator. That's Jesus So think about the first man that was created. The Lord formed him out of the dust of the ground. And when he had breathed into him, the man became a living soul. Now that's an amazing miracle. A a grand miracle. Clay was turned into flesh. Breathing. A living soul. Now, is the light of that miracle more radiant than your own breath. We're breathing. It's ordinary. It's common. It's every single moment of our life. And we sing a song that says, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Why do we sing that? Because it's true. It's true. It's his breath in our lungs. Wow, I mean, seriously, if we should be seeing the light every time we, (gasps) there's Jesus, there's our creator, there's our God. I ask, are we seeing the light of Jesus in every boring, monotonous breath we take? On an ordinary day in the temple, Simeon spotted this poor couple with their infant son And he saw the light of salvation. Everyone else was just going around doing their thing. There was no lightning bolts. There was no thunder. There was no earthquake. There was no wind. There was no fire. But something prompted this man to go over to that little child. And in his mind, what child is this? What prompted Simeon? How is it that he went to this little baby? How is it that he went to Jesus? Luke 2.27 says, Simeon was moved by the Spirit. Now that tells me something. And I hope it tells you something too. It tells me we're not seeing the light of Christ, or if we're not seeing the light of Christ every single day in the most ordinary and regular things, it might be that we need to be moved by the Spirit. It might be that if we're seeking the grand and the spectacular miracles of God while not seeing Jesus The Lord God Almighty in everyday, ordinary things, not seeing Jesus Christ all around us. It might be that we're kind of too in tune with looking for those things or or we're just blinded by the things of the world and we're not seeing the light all around us because we're not being moved by the Holy Spirit. This This is critical and it's key to me. 
You know, in the early months of this year, we began talking about seeking more of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said things like, earthly fathers give good gifts to their kids. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you ask? How much more will he give to them that ask? The Holy Spirit's God's promise, and it's a gift that's promised by God. And we studied it for weeks at the beginning of this year. I would encourage you even to go back online and look at some of those, those messages. Paul said to his close friend Timothy, 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 fan into flame the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul had evidently prayed for him to receive this, this gift of the Holy Spirit. And yet he said to him, Timothy, Timothy, fan this gift into flame. What does that imply? But, but that his gift had been turned into kind of an ember, if you will, a weak ember. It needed some oxygen and some, some fanning to bring it back from a flicker to a blaze. And we spent weeks discussing this, how to rekindle the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if we're seeking great miracles, which God can do, no doubt, no doubt at all. But if we're seeking them while not seeing Jesus as our provider, not seeing as Jesus as our healer from sin and our cleanser of sin, and, and not seeing Jesus as the giver of the breath in our lungs, the breath that we breathe all the time, and not seeing Jesus as the winner of our eternal life, we're missing a great light. We're missing this light that's around us at all the time. And we might then consider, if we're missing some of that, that we should be fanning into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has deposited in us. If we're seeking great miracles while not seeing Jesus in all of these things, let's fan the flame. And let's ask the Spirit to move us Move us, move us like he moved Simeon to see the light of Christ in ordinary, everyday things. If we want to be used as the light, if we want to get to the other side and share the light, we need to be seeing the light now in everything, everything, everything. I, I, I close with this little, just this little anecdote a number of weeks ago, I was here late one night preparing for a funeral. I was putting my thoughts together, preparing a message for a funeral service the following morning. It was very late when I left. And as I drove out of the parking lot, I saw one car. I circled around so that my driver's side was right up to the window of the driver's side of that vehicle. And the window went down, and there was a young man sort of reclining back. And he said, he, he didn't wait for me to say a word. He said, I know, I saw the sign that says, you close at dusk, I'll leave. It was dark, it was late. My finger was going to the window to roll it back up, see ya, I'm going. And something stopped me. 
this isn't always my experience, and I'll, I'll confess to you I'm not the best at it. I will confess to you that I need to be moved by the Spirit more. I need to ask God to help me and to move me by the Spirit more. But something stopped me, and I'll just say, thank you, God. And before I, my finger hit the window button, I said, no, don't leave. I asked this young man, why are you here? I said, you're here dark in a church parking lot. Why? What's going on? Anything? He kind of exhaled, almost like relief. And he said to me, I have to go to a funeral tomorrow. And I thought, maybe I should come to a church I said, wow, you have to go to a funeral tomorrow. So do I. I said, that's why I was here late. So I asked him, whose funeral are you going to? What's, what's, what's going on? And he told me his grandmother had passed away. And I believe he told me she was 88 years old. And he began to, I, I said, tell me about her. He expressed, she was kind of this glue like a grandma, a good grandma is the glue that holds a family together, binds the family, keeps them united, and now she was gone. He was gonna terribly miss her. And before he left then, since our windows were right next to each other, I had the opportunity to say, could I pray with you? Could I pray for you? I, I could ask... I, I got the opportunity to ask him, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Where's your faith? You pulled into a church. We had a good conversation. And I was able to pray with this young man. Dark night in the middle of the parking lot. And again, I will confess to you, I'm not the best at this. I need, I need these promptings more. But right there in the dark of the night, there was the light of Christ, an ordinary event. And you know, I could have just blew it off. I could have just hit the window button. Okay, you're leaving. I'm leaving too. Goodbye. And I know I've missed some of those moments. I know it. I've missed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I have missed being moved by the Spirit. And I know sometimes even resisted. No, Lord, you do not want me to talk to that person or to do this little task, whatever it might have been. And I missed seeing the light in an ordinary moment. Let's be people that see the light every day, all day, the light of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we need to be moved by the Spirit, let's do it. You can ask for more of the Spirit. But I want to tell you, too, I, I know it was announced on January 11th, on a Wednesday night, we're just going to take time to just to, to ask God to give us all more of the Holy Spirit. You, sh you should come. It it'll be in our chapel. Let's be people who fan that flame and see Jesus in little things. Because then when, when he moves in the powerful ways, well, we'll just say, of course. Of course, that's our God. Because we see him all the time. It won't be some shock to us that he calmed the storm. 
or that he healed someone near and dear to us because we're seeing it all the time. And we can be people who have the light and share the light. Let's be those people. Come on, stand up, let's pray. Let's ask God to move us by the power of his Holy Spirit and be people that are fanning this flame to see Jesus. What child is this? Little ordinary baby, what child? Oh, he's salvation. See that light. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. God, I just pray over your people right now that you'd bless them, God. You'd bless them, that you would, that, that you would just put right now in every heart in this room, every heart that's connected to us online, Lord, a desire to be moved by your spirit, to see you in everything, to never, ever miss the light of the dawn, the shining light of our Savior Jesus. In a child that's born, in a parking lot, everywhere. God, I just pray that, and I pray that we'd be people that want to take that light and then share it with others, God, and help us to do that and not miss those times. Help us to be discerning and, and understanding the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God. And if there's anyone in this room that needs more and they need to, they need to, they know, they know that that, that flame of the Holy Spirit has dwindled within them. They know it's become a little ember. They know they're like a Timothy that Paul was saying, you need to fan it into flame. God, I just pray that, the, that anyone who's right there right now would have the humility to look up to you and say, God, help me. God, help me. Lord, Lord, I, I want more of the, your spirit, and I want you to fan that, that flame within me. God, help me to be a person that burns for you and sees your light everywhere, every day. God, I just pray that for all and any that need it. Thank you, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And bless us, God. Bless each one as they go and return them on, unto this sanctuary to praise you again, we pray. Keep your people until then. In Jesus' holy and his precious name, amen. Amen.